Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we got to spend some time with Tori Amos. She is one of my all-time personal heroes and inspirations, so it was an absolute delight getting to talk with her. I hope that you enjoy our interview. Well, welcome to Why Not Both, Tori. Thank you for having me, Pam. It is such an absolute pleasure. I was I was joking with someone earlier that it is really only for you and flights that I will get up early in the morning. Oh, well, I wouldn't get up early for me. So so thank you, Pam. Mm. (laughs) Well, at least someone's getting up early. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's getting, it's almost cocktail time here. Trust me. (laughs) It's past that time, but I, I will hold off cocktails for you, Pam. Oh, (laughs) that is that is that's love (laughs) and discipline (laughs) it's been a seven hour interview day so um we we started very early we're in the uk so it's but but i enjoy look i enjoy an interview what i what i love is when it can become a conversation it always doesn't happen but when it does then it's good fun I was going to say, because it's hard to go into a setting where you don't know what you're going to encounter. That's so many like context shifts in a row, it sounds like. Yeah. And I, th- I think what's tricky is when you've got a gotcha moment when, and you know what I'm talking about, yeah. and they might not mean it, but where it's, it's, it's going to be provocative and it's going to be a bit of a stir kind of subject. And you think, okay, here we go. Oh. So those are those are a little tricky, and it just depends if you've eaten or not, <laughs> <laughs> where the blood sugar is. You're like, am I hangry? What's the rule? Like, if you yeah. you hate everybody, maybe you're hungry, and if you think everybody hates you, you need a nap. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds so jarring, though, because in a way, like when you're putting out work, you're expecting to actually be intimate. Whereas, you know, when you're just talking to someone that you've never met before and there's no context and someone asks you something intimate, you're like, how deep, how deep do I go with that? I think because, um, let's face it, I'll raise my hand and, t- and admit that I realize I've been doing interviews for 30 years and that some of the interviews c- can tackle some issues and subjects. I-, I know that. So I guess fair play, if I've set my stall out like that, mm-hmm. then then a journalist may think it's fair game. But sometimes, you know, you think we're talking, you're going to be talking about a certain subject, and then all of a sudden you're talking about stuff that's happening in Texas. And you go, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, and that's, it's interesting that you say that because like the nature of this podcast, I mean, it, it kind of started by accident um, and then progressed as we all were trapped inside. Um, but it was mainly to talk about like the multifaceted parts of our identity and like how mm. we have multiple passions and what that says about us and how we express ourselves. And so it's really literally, I just kind of follow my guest's lead. Okay. <laughs> like- <laughs> Which, okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't usually go in with like an agenda because I was so curious about like when people do multiple things, how they feel about it. And then it was weird. Cause then during this time, um, like our concept even of identity kind of fell apart. Mm. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting though, that then like to even shift to the emotional context of then having to discuss, like, for instance, like what's going on in Texas, like that would be really difficult if you were going in with one one kind of angle. And then you're like, Oh, that touched on a whole other thing. And you were, look, I, in an interview. So when, 
when you're talking about things that you do other than, I guess, music, I, I had no idea that we were going to, that this was going to be one of the things we're talking about, but I guess I've done more interviews than I can imagine. I've done most other things in my life. Yeah. Um, I've done more interviews than I've certainly taken holidays and, oh. <laughs> you know, I've done more interviews than, than many things in, in my life. I guess I've played more shows than I've done interviews, but I'm not, I don't, maybe not. So it, it's one of those things that you have to be really present for. And I want it to go well. I enjoy it. But I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And, and sometimes they get a little bit, they get a, they get a little bit sparky. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget. Okay, so I'll never forget. And now, some things that would be asked in the 90s, I mean, honestly, that's like you'd be canceled now if you brought some of this stuff up yes. now. Yes. Because it, it was just really, we're, we're, you're, we're saying this? So somebody said to me once, um, so, so where do you put this? If you, do you have a housekeeper? And I said, what's wrong? She has her own business. Yeah. And she's very proud of it. Yeah. Why are we denigrating housekeepers? And I bet she makes more than you do, asshole. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I remember that because I remember reading, I was a voracious reader of all things like Rolling Stone and Sassy and Spin. And like, I remember I, cause I would cut out magazine clippings and put them on my wall. I probably looked like it was like a collage slash an unwell person, like my teenage bedroom. <laughs> It's like, is it an homage? Is it a conspiracy theory? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, um, we're both. Yeah, yeah. we're both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember that sometimes people would ask like audaciously personal questions or almost like accusatory questions of female musicians in particular. And it bothered me as a teenage girl and I couldn't put my finger on why. Well, I, I think because we're back to the gotcha moments we're back to um it's different now in that there is social media but if if you look at the idea that there is a microscope being put on somebody's life and that somebody has chosen instead of having a conversation to to have a we're back to that phrase trip mm -hmm. you up have a got you moment um uh take you down it's a takedown and Yet you're so exposed and your mind is working a thousand beats per second and, and you're really trying to answer something. And yet at the same time, you feel like your skin is getting peeled off slowly in, in front of not just the journalists, but then what they're going to write about this moment. And they're in total control. It's not like then I got to write um, so this is from my point of view of what our lunch was like. You know, it's, it's not as if it worked that way. Right. So people might get an impression of you and it's completely out of context. So the 15 minutes, the prior 15 minutes of the soundbite they use, they might not work you as the reader into how in the world did we get to talking about mm -hmm, cling peaches? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And Edith Bunker reference to the seventies. Oh Sorry, God. that was that was beautiful. Um, my mom always referred to my nana as Edith Bunker, and so I was like, no, less, yes, less her. <laughs> and what she put up with, Edith, and all the women like her. Good heavens! Oh my gosh! And that's it's that contextlessness. And I was thinking how horrible it is to do that to someone who already has chosen to put themselves out vulnerably in the world as an artist. Like I'm wondering, like, why would someone do that? It's so antithetical to like I guess how I like to interact with people. <laughs> that I'm like, I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> that's a really good question, Pam. Because I think with with some of the artists coming up today, what is really exciting is to have a conversation with them where it's um it flows it's fluid yeah. and 
and it's a safe place to talk about what they're discovering on their journey, whether they're on their first or their second album, because that that's a really, um, it's a special time. If, if you do have a 30 year career or beyond, um, then, then you look back and those, those moments are really special because you're finding out, you're carving your way. You're carving your way as an artist, as a woman. And, um, so, so those, those interactions I feel are, are golden. And I know for me anyway, that there were times when I would treasure a conversation. And Mm so I think interviews can shape an artist and how they see, how they get defensive. Um, I wonder how it affects our personalities. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if, if we pull back from public life, because I, I became a recluse Uh, after I kind of tried it out in the nineties of, you know, hanging out with other artists and, and that whole, whole kind of lifestyle, I found that I was more comfortable just to be dead honest with you, with, with the crew. Yeah. With the people behind the scenes. And I'm not saying that the artists weren't unbelievably talented, but I don't know if, if I was comfortable with um, the, the vibe sometimes. Yeah. I, re- I really liked talking to the people that were making the costumes, the, the people that were doing the sound. I married that one. <laughs> <laughs> the people in catering, making the food, the gal that ran the, the merch um, mm-hmm. and her math skills and how she's doing math in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I began to realize, you know, I love to perform. I love doing that. But, but I have to have my feet in, in my boots, in mm. the dirt, in the garden, and and I and I need to be away from the 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 energy of all the attention. I have to have the opposite in order to keep touring and doing it. That sparked so many fascinating things in my brain because, like you said, that it's like there's a different energy even about being around artists that are in. I guess what I would call like one's like primary field of expression, because I'm like, you also have written a wonderful book that is sitting next to me. Um, And there's like, there's, there's other ways that you express yourself, but it sounded like you were interested in being almost around either kind of like artisans or craftspeople or engineers or people that were still like, had this like vibrant creativeness about them, but in a slightly different lane. Different lane that, that is not really about the fame aspect yeah because i find the fame aspect uh it's really tricky it's it's tricky to check yourself and and make sure if if you're changing if you're morphing into okay this is uh channeling tori who's going to channel the songs Mm -hmm. and 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 do that it's true I leave the mother and the wife, that side of me, back in the dressing room Mm -hmm. to the point where my husband will pass me in the hallway and say, "Um, you know, I want my wife back when Mm -hmm. you're done, boss. I want my wife. I want my wife. (laughs) And I will say, as I'm morphing, you will have your wife back. She's safe. (laughs) She's where she needs to be. So those things, those conscious kind of transformations happen in, in, in order to be able to be grounded and be in that energy and then give it back, give it back to the muses and then step back into the wife and mother and the wife and wife and mother's where I'm most comfortable Mm. and happy. And I love part of what struck me about that is that he, he knows that like the wife is going nicely on the shelf and she's going to be safe on the shelf and that you'll come back and and take her off the shelf and be her again. And I love that. He's like, he's cool with that. (laughs) He's like, I was like, bless. That's fantastic. There are some people that aren't cool with that. And um, I've witnessed it happen in people's relationships. I don't know if you've witnessed this where it's like um, the other partner, like isn't capable of allowing 
or tolerating their person, like going into that space, whether that person is famous or whether they're very dedicated to what they do or both that like, it's, it's too much for them. They feel threatened by it. And so I'm like, I'm so glad that he's cool with that. That's really, that's intriguing. You say that I do know of these relationships that can be incredibly competitive, um, whether they're both in the same field or they're in different fields, but it's unbelievably competitive. And, and, and they both maybe want to be on that red carpet. That's that those words, red carpet, that just means in the limelight, whatever that looks like, it's not necessarily, but he will say to me, Oh, geez, the last place he wants to be is in that vibe. And he'll be (laughs) wife. I'm down the pub watching the footy in a British (laughs) accent. So don't even get, I'm not getting close to that. In fact, I'll be in the next city. So (laughs) we, we, that works for us. That's beautiful. There, there was this article that uh, Tim Minchin wrote recently about like why he stepped away from fame. And it kind of speaks to what you're talking about where it's like, it's almost like he was saying, he's like, it's not that like only jerks become famous, but like fame kind of makes you a jerk in a way. (laughs) It can. Oh, it can. It can really make you, you know, monsters you didn't even know you had (laughs) can can show up and then and I and I think that's why you have to really be having words with yourself and and you have to have um, a process a process of looking at okay what's my intention what's what is my quote-unquote sorry to use this What, what what am I trying to do with this work yeah what am I trying to say and then am am I Am I being authentic? Am I really kind of listening to people from a from a true place, from a grounded place? Not just the the quote unquote um, photo on the cover. Yeah. That's only one aspect of of the art. Then it's like, but is there is there authenticity there too? And I I've always tried to bring that to the work. And then get get back on the bus after show and hand it back. It's like you have to hand back that that voltage, or I think you do become a you can become a con- <laughs> confused, not so not so nice because I think I think it's too much. It, it's it was too much for me to carry around all the time that specific sort of mm, energy force. That voltage. That's such a great way to describe it. That it's like. I was reading about, um, I was reading a description of how to ground oneself. It was in Matt Oren's book, Psychic Witch. And it was about kind of dispelling like energetic charge. And I liked that framework, like to describe it. And particularly when you're performing, when you're sharing something, when you are delving into, like you said, I love how you put it, that it's just like, you're like, I am giving myself to the muses. Um, I'm just like, yep, that's, people will sometimes ask, like I, I perform as well, very infrequently now, um, but like, I don't remember sometimes what happens on stage, not because like, it's not like I'm that nervous. I am right before, but then once I start playing, it's great, but it's like, I'm elsewhere, like things happen elsewhere and you don't want to be in that space unless you're like on stage, you don't want to be elsewhere. You don't want to have all that. It's almost like you have to discharge that like into the ground. (laughs) Yeah, that's very, that's, that's quite a point, Pam. I think when, when we're channeling our muses then we realize we're in collaboration with them and, and we're really like a vessel. Yeah. I see my, I see myself. It's not me that's doing all this. I can't do it. I can't do it by myself because when I am, it isn't aligned with this, with this magical force. So I learned after why can't Tori read and that bombed in 1988. Thank the goddess. Thank the goddess that I, through failure, I had to make a choice of who, who, whom did I serve? Mm. Did I serve um, my desire for success, which was drummed into me? See, I I was, I cut my teeth on that. Yeah. Being accepted to the conservatory at five. And, the idea was to become a concert pianist, and I was a failed. I, I failed at that at eleven. So, this kind of provocative cycle of um, these little successes and 
awards and then punishments Mm -hmm. and then pro at 13 and yada, yada, yada. But finally, in the late 80s, early 90s, when Little Earthquakes, the, the work started coming, it was the muses said to me, you have to choose why you're doing this Mm. and some things you do will be received and successful but some things what whatever that means some people will understand it before you die but some people won't Mm -hmm. and the question is why are you doing it are you doing it to be recognized or are you doing it to put music out there to emote and and to relate to other people and so with that challenge, it was, it was um, a commitment that I made to them. I love that. I love also that you just brought up Why Can't Tori Read. It came up last night when I told my partner that I was going to be talking to you. And he brought up Why Can't Tori Read. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, he's a mixer and producer and engineer. And he brought up an interesting point. He's like, I wonder how you take something that feels like it was a failure or doesn't feel like it was yours and find a way to make it resonate with you. Cause he was talking about this band that he had seen when he was a teenager that like they recorded an album and it was terrible. And he's like, they were like the best live band in Memphis. I love them. And he's like, he's like, I always wanted to go back and be like, let's make the album that you should have made in 1988. And he was, we were musing on like, well, what do you do with something that like feels like it was the most like either inauthentic or like, like worst thing you made. He's like, can you ever find something in that that does feel like you that does connect with you and I was like that's a really interesting question and I was like now here I am asking that (laughs) (laughs) well we're okay that's that's yay yay him so (laughs) good job Michael (laughs) yeah yeah so the intention I'm not sure what happened with the band and and what the circumstances were I think that um I I wasn't the best I could be at the time because of my intention. Yeah. I, I had made a choice, which was I will do anything to get out of the piano bar. Almost anything. No, anything. <laughs> and and I'd been in it so long. Again, I, I conservatory at five, pro yeah. at 13, piano bars till I was, you know, it felt like a thousand years old. And I was in my, I don't know, 23, 24. And I kind of thought, okay, I've got, I've got to get out of the bar room. If one more person spills beer on my piano and it's all over me and I'm soaking and, and, and smelling like hops and they're singing, um, changing the words to the song, you know, singing, I'll sing you to sleep after the loving, I'll brush back the hair from your thighs. If I have to put up with that for one more night, I am going to explode. Yeah. So, you know, it seemed like the idea of what was commercial music? What did the label want? What was the slot? Well, I was willing to fill the slot. I know. Pregnant pause. I get it. Yep. I literally, what my first thought was like, well, you were on the right track with a sword. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) I just should have shaved my hair off, but, but I have ears like, um, like dopey. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's like, I do. I have the biggest ears ever. And so it just doesn't, the whole Sinead thing, it wouldn't have worked. Oh my gosh. It would have gotten laughed out of the room. So, you know, what works, what works for one (laughs) just doesn't always work for another person. You kind of sit there and go, oh, Jesus, one, when do you accept, Tori, that you seem like a, like a fairy on crack (laughs) and, and you need to write songs from your heart. And if people say, you know, you're emo, then just say, yeah, guilty. Yeah. Yeah. That acceptance, like that, that moment where you're just like, yes, like someone said to me, they're like, your music is just so pretty. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Pam. Deal with it. <laughs> like, yeah, but hey, 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 pretty polythene Pam. Oh my God. <laughs> so many boys put that song on mixtapes. 
Like whenever mm. I got a mixtape, that song yeah. was on there. But <laughs> we're putting pretty polythene Pam from Tori to Pam. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I love the description of a fairy on crack. That is, that is, because I remember like reading interviews with you, everyone cast you as this, like this fae ethereal creature. And I remember I was like, I'm sure she is that, but I, I'm sure she's like other things too. <laughs> like, like, I'm sure that there's a lot informing this person aside from how people are just like, oh, she dresses about the woods. Look, she has blue eyes. <laughs> yeah. With a, with a shadow as big as the Empire State Building, sister. <laughs> that, that's the problem when, you know, then I really needed to go do some work with with the dark goddesses as they were termed mm -hmm. to spend some time with those those archetypes that's when i started diving really into the archetype world because being pigeonholed in a certain way just because you know i i didn't want to have confrontations with people i didn't want to fall out but yeah. you find yourself in circumstances when i don't know you're doing a movie and somebody steals the master tape and takes off your drums and puts out of time drums on you will find my my whoa thunder mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you will find my thunder it won't be you know the fairy faith anymore it will it'll be fairy faith with, with fangs i think people <laughs> underestimate the power of the fae <laughs> yes like, you don't want to mess with them you, you don't you don't they're the they're powerful small but cute and, and very yeah they'll, they'll mess you up <laughs> and, and you know and you know what pam the cornish will tell you that and one reason i'm i think i'm comfortable with the Cornish is that they have a deep respect. They don't mess about with the spirit world because they believe it to be true. They know it to, they know it to be true. Too much has happened on, on this land, too many ancient stories that, that are, that can't be explained. So, so yes, they take it. They have great respect for the Fae. Yes. And, and so do I. Yes. I was curious, are you comfortable talking about some of the archetypes that you found yourself drawn to during that time? Because it sounds like there was like a shift. And then like even even hearing your work now, it sounds like once you kind of left, like, I don't know how to describe it other than like the LA scene. I'm like, I'm very curious what kind of your archetypal journey was that brought you kind of to here. Um, I guess, well, leaving LA, although I loved it, there were aspects of it that I loved going to Joshua tree, that type of thing. Yes. Um, uh, it was, it was time to experience something else. So when I was sent to London, I knew no, no one in London in 91. And I met a woman, um, Karen Benz, who I work with still now. She works with WizKid and um, she's quite a stylist. She's part of the Mark Jacobs um, campaign perfect you can find her she's mm -hmm. really having a renaissance which she okay. more than deserves so she's a stylist and she opened me up to um, seeing things differently uh, kind of uh, pushing my visual senses mm -hmm. and and we worked together and worked together and after under the pink and after that time um, I, I felt like I needed to shake off that like you're talking about an, an ethereal um what do you call it projection mm -hmm. because when i was performing live i was trying to tap into very different aspects of the feminine experience which can be um you know loss uh the maiden mother crone Mm -hmm. even though you're only a certain age to be able to time travel into those different aspects of mm -hmm. the the feminine and um then it became clear i needed to really go find pele mm -hmm. in hawaii and feel her loss and feel her that word again regeneration mm -hmm. um be near her um in in the islands over there and she started to teach me about um, anger mm. and how do you find the anger that is is hiding deep down maybe feels almost like hiding in the bones and it and it shows itself when you're 
let's use a common word that people know, triggered. Mm -hmm. So something will happen that comes out of the blue and if there's some kind of confrontation, let's, it doesn't matter the circumstance. And then you find yourself in a rage mm -hmm. and you think, okay, what is, okay, what is this about? I know the issue at hand, but what is this rage? And I, I think that I had to really kind of um, go deep for, oh, goodness gracious, months yeah. coming back from Hawaii, touring more, and then finally being in a place where I could investigate it. And I, and I worked with different people who worked with archetypal energies mm -hmm. and realized that I had suppressed and pushed down my feelings to things that were just that were not right. Yeah. I mean, just not right. Um, whether it's controlling behavior or whether it's uh, my desire for success and, and the shame of that, mm -hmm. even though I was trained to be a success from the, from before I could talk. Mm -hmm. So, so how's that going to play itself out? I needed to own this, not blame anybody else, but own it. And it was the dark goddesses that began to teach me how to deal with it. Mm. So I was thinking when you're talking about, especially like the triple aspect, I was thinking of Hecate that I was like to embrace all of those. And I was just like, Ooh, and also like anger that came up Weirdly, that came up when I was interviewing um, Shirley Manson earlier this year. Oh, my ginger twin. I like the fact that I get to talk to both of you. Like there's a 15 year old inside of me that is uh, her soul has left her body. Um, oh, <laughs> next time, next time, get us on the same call in the same room. Just to hear you two laughing together. Like that would be just that yeah um like and she said something that struck me that you know so many female artists were at, at that time said um that so many people were calling them angry and I remember being like well why is it bad to be angry and investigating that in myself and even now like we're told that we're not allowed to be angry. And if we are angry, then we've done something wrong. It's almost like someone's like, haha, I've won, you're angry. Um, that anger is this like really in some ways like misunderstood and shamed emotion because anger can be like an incredible force for good because usually it's an indicator that like something unjust has occurred. Mm. I wanted to work with anger in a way that was focused. Mm. So Pele, I think there was, I've said there, there was an unleashed, I unleashed the inner Kraken mm -hmm. uh, as a minister's daughter, seeing the hypocrisy that I found within the church. I didn't find a lot of Jesus in the church and I have a lot of time for love your neighbors yourself. I have a lot of time for Jesus and, 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 and what Jesus said. Um, but I had a difficult time with the subjugation of the feminine by the patriarchy. And let's not kid each other. There were women very much involved in the patriarchy and still are. So, so Boys for Pele was a, a record whereby I was, I was not going to, um, it, it, I was at the helm mm -hmm. as the producer. I made a lot of mistakes. I worked with my crew. So we're coming full circle. I took my road crew that I'd met on the road 94 on under the pink and took them with me and said, right. Um, we're the good ship crew that are going to travel together and make a record together and we're going to roll our sleeves up and yes i made mistakes but i needed to to explore this this thing that people called oh why is she so angry and difficult mm -hmm. if i heard one more time that i was being angry and difficult when they're taking my tickets my tickets from a sold out arena show that happened two years later and pushing a, a young artist's record and wow. they're getting played on the radio on the back of my tickets and i just felt like the, the response was hey oh this is how it is 
It's just how it, this is just how the ball bounces to her. I said, no, that doesn't mean it isn't morally corrupt. Exactly. I just, I, I'm like feeling anger for you. (laughs) When I moved back from college, there was literally a showcase of female singer songwriters and jokingly, it was called don't call us Tori because we all loved you, but we were so tired of people being like, oh, you sound just like Tori Amos because you were the reference point. And we were like, she's amazing. But like, that's like saying like, ah, yes, you're Mick Jagger for like every dude that ever went on stage and like tight. Yeah, pants. yeah. It, no, I, I get that. Like, no, I get that. <laughs> I have empathy for all those women. I do. I, I do. But I also think I said at the time, and then send me a bottle of champagne gals, because there were battles I had that would curl your toes. There were battles I had people threatening to take the pianos off little earthquakes and insert guitars that actually happened by a very powerful, successful producer that that worked at the label. And so those those battles that I had they were my battles and I'm hoping that then then the boys club began to see the piano the acoustic piano in a different light because they were fine with Elton and and Billy yep because they were untouchable the boys club protects their own but Carol King man she and her piano was dead and we all know how that resurrected um you know, the resurrection of Carol King that constantly keeps happening because she's a goddess. But the point is there there was a, a serious battle that te- that took place and we we all got very bloody and I had to stand my ground and 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 they didn't take the pianos off the guitar. They didn't take the pianos off for the guitars, but I had to fight that fight. And and that's part of my my, you know, that's part of my the the scar my tattoos if you will but I'm not saying that all of you didn't have your own unfortunately battles you had to fight because a lot of women have had to fight those battles whether it's creative choices what they're wearing who they're working with it's it it's in the stories are endless and it's I I mean I hope I don't speak you know, out of turn for them, but like, at least on my part, I am so grateful that you fought that battle because I tried to give up playing the piano when I was about 12. I was just like, nah, I don't see, this isn't cool. I don't see where this would be going. Cause I started playing when I was about three-ish and like, Mm. I didn't, I didn't see any examples of people playing music that like, that seemed like what I would want to do. Like I heard, like, obviously I was playing classical and I heard show tunes, but I was like, everyone else seems to play the guitar, but I'm like barely five feet tall. I have like child-sized hands. I've been playing since I was really little. So my, my hands can stretch piano wise. They, I, mm. I play like a chord on the guitar. So I was like <laughs> valiantly trying to pull this off. Um, and then when I was about 15, a friend of mine was like, you seem sad today. Want to ditch class and hang out in the garden? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then he played me little earthquakes. And I was like, wait, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this with music you can do this with pianos in music. You can, wait, what? Like, I was just like, hold up, this is a game changer. And so like in my three years rebelling against the piano, I learned um, E minor on the guitar, shout out to E minor. Um, But like hearing your album, I was like, oh, oh. I was like, well, there we go. (laughs) Totally changed my directory. Like just mental, everything shifted. And all it took was hearing like one person that was like me doing that. I was just like, oh. (laughs) Well, what's funny, Pam, is we had a similar experience whereby I turned my back on the piano in the mid to late 80s and then and failed fell on my face Um, and people in LA at the time as you know better than anybody failure it's it's the thing no one wants to catch speak of it and they will avoid you because they're like what if it's contagious that's right because they believe it is contagious yes and and I think that was the beginning of me realizing that I needed to choose my friends wisely 
Um, it took it took me though. I did experiment, like we've talked about earlier, with you know uh, friendships you think you should have, but it, the shoe doesn't fit right. It's it's just not. It, I don't know. It's just not um, kind of working, yeah. and and then it took a while for me to to realize that the most interesting people in the room are not necessarily the most successful. If you mean the people that whose name is on the marquee, whether it's the actor or whether it's the, the musician, the most interesting people I found were everywhere. Yes. The people coming to the show, some of them, they had the, some of the most poignant thoughts and observations about life and what, what's going on, how they're documenting the time over the last 30 years. And, and so it, it started to become about, okay, who, who is my influencer today? And sometimes that's just the person that's sitting next to you waiting for the train. Hmm. That was a big, big lesson. Yeah. You were writing in your book. I remember about like tuning into the people that came to the shows and the feelings in the cities where you were and things like that, that, and I love that you put it, that those are your influencers, that it's not someone that's crafting an image. It's the people who are experiencing things and then sharing their insights with you. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Intel, right. And, and they're genuine and they, they say, look, you need to know that this happened in the city you're about to play in. You need to know the conflict or you need to know what they're, they're celebrating. You need to be aware of what you're walking into so that it becomes part of my sonic ingredients. Any piece of Intel that comes in from boots on the ground, that's what I call them. (laughs) Then it's, it's like, okay, so we're collaborating we're collaborating this expression tonight together and hopefully as we as we congregate together and and we hold a space together we're going to shift something in ourselves whatever that is it's different for for everybody what they want to shift what patterns they want to break what things they want to welcome into their being mm-hmm. you know what wounds they want to leave at the sonic fire because that stage is is set to hold that mm-hmm. it's a place of the mm, it, it's a cleansing fire it sounds like your shows are like ritual why well, I ho- I hope so. I think we, yeah. the audience and I, we work together to to create that a place where things that need to be left, um, whether again it's an old wound that is just not serving you anymore and and starting to to really bring you pain, or or whether it's um, I you know not feeling guilty that you got the job, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> not not apologizing for getting that opportunity and so and whatever it is the the shows are a place for us to come together and I find that Johnny said this to me who I've been working with he manages me now Mm -hmm. he was my tour manager from 92 and we I might be a little under the weather for whatever reason six six shows on the trot and he, I would go on stage and he would go down into production. And when I came off, to, off stage, I was completely healed. And he was worse than when <laughs> I walked on. You're like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally sorry. I was thinking of even like how you're crafting songs now, like the beautiful album that you just made that... That those songs, what it eh, what it sparked in my mind is that those become almost touchstones during the rituals of the show. That it's like, I remember you were talking about in the book about like changing the set list based on the intel that you get, like you said. And that's so fascinating that now you have, it's like, you have the biggest bag of gemstones now to choose from. <laughs> like... Oh my God. And the longest rehearsals. <laughs> staring me in the face Pam <laughs> I'm like sorry <laughs> yeah but you can pull something where you're like oh I could pull out the amethyst or the citrine or the combination amethyst citrine <laughs> like, like, you've got so many things going on there that that's 
that's fascinating to me. And also that you keep tuning in to craft them, like, especially during, I know that during this time I turned to doing podcasting because for a brief while, I mean, it happens occasionally, but it's like, I can't, I feel like when I sit down to play, I can play stuff I already know, but like, nothing's like, nothing's arriving is how I'd put it. And I'm like, okay. And like, during, during this time when I was isolated, like at first, like nothing happened. And then like so much happened creatively. And I don't know what your experience was of that because you did produce a record during, during the, all of this. Yeah. But wow. Your podcasts, you, you found a way to get those juices flowing to, to come out of the paralysis. Yes. And I, I went through an emotional and mental paralysis at, at one point. I was writing a whole nother record, oh, wow. but that, but that wasn't serving. That wasn't, mm, that wasn't working anymore because as you know, so much changed from November, 2020 till mid January, mm. um, 2020 in the States alone. Oh my God. Put aside COVID, the pandemic, the lockdowns, house arrest, um, the, uh, the climate crisis with fires and floods everywhere, put aside all that and just talk about the madness of democracy hanging by a thread. And, and I'm not talking about the public for five seconds. Our elected uh, officials, some of them who chose to burn democracy to the ground. And I realized my anger at them, at their treasonous action, was uh, I was stepping into not singing boys for Pele, but becoming a volcano myself. (laughs) (laughs) That I, with, you know, with fairy antenna on top, that I needed to take a step back and surrender those songs. I said, this is not going to take me into the frequency where where I think I need to go and I believe other people need to go. People were exhausted, tired of this divisiveness. It's like poison. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. So I got quiet. I got quiet, Pam. Hmm. What did you find in the quiet? Was that what came out of it afterwards? A bit in the quiet. There was nothing. Nada. Like you're talking about. Oh yeah, that's true. It sounded in my brain. It was weird. It was almost like, it was like a low radio static hum where usually I hear music in my head just constantly, like whenever it, there was, it was like a hum. That was it. Yeah. I could hear the tractors, the farmers outside. They didn't stop because they were, they were the supply chain. So in the, this is the third lockdown, which was severe in Britain. Mm -hmm. And and I think it was just, you know, that saying you, you never know the weight of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. And so finally, I sat there with that for a bit. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, the muses came to me and just said, OK, so you need to surrender, walk away from the old work mm-hmm. and be where you are. Yeah. Be, be, be in the despondency. Be honest. You need to be on to get yourself out of this place. You have to admit where you are. Mm. And there were, you know, there were tears, there was shame. There was, you know, because the first lockdown, I thought, I thought we were pretty bitching family, Holly. I think we handled it quite well considering. And yes, I'm grateful we were in the country. I'm grateful for all the things we had, but we were, we were doing a, a virtual book tour from, from here from the TARDIS from Martian and you know what I mean so we were we were doing all those things but almost a year later and I'm like where's live music where's the voltage when is this going to end and so they kind of took me to okay be in the place be be in the grief go there be there and then that's when the song started to come wow that's I mean, that's eerily similar to what I experienced. And I'm glad that you accepted where you were. Like, that's the only way to get through an emotion. It's like, it's like pretending you're not in a tunnel when you're in a tunnel, like that doesn't make the tunnel go away. Then you're just in denial that you're in a tunnel. That's right, Pam. That's absolutely right. That's what I found. Um, and like to get out of the tunnel, you have to first be like, oh, I'm in a tunnel. Like, which direction <laughs> do I want to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Um, that's, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but it also, I dubbed it potato time that everyone went through a period where it's like, they were kind of like a potato instead of a person. Um, and okay. <laughs> you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, well, you know, like if you try to like bake a potato, but the oven's not warm enough, you kind of are turning on the light and looking at it. Like, is it doing anything? Um, mm. it was that where you're just like, is the potato okay? Um, like, <laughs> and the potato wasn't okay. It was That's not the okay. Thing. Yeah. It was, and, and I think some people, I got some letters around that time from people all around the world. Somebody compiled these letters and I'm so grateful to them for, the, I mean, there were letters from Russia. There were letters from all around the world talking mm -hmm. about their experience during this mad, crazy time. Um, and everybody had their unique take on it. Mm. Now, there, there was always one in a hundred that's like, okay, I'm an introvert. I'm a wallflower. And this COVID is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please don't tell anybody. Sign. Da -da 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 -da. I'm anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but the others, to be fair, to be fair, the others were, oh my gosh, it, it ran the gamut of of a mother with two young young kids, two and a half and an infant, whatever, full-time job, wow. no help, the husband full-time job. There they are 24-7 on Zoom, trying to figure all this out and getting no sleep and ready to scream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so the experiences were so many people being alone, the loneliness, people being surrounded by people who would do anything to be alone. <laughs> it was just it, one of those things. And I think hearing from people and realizing the, I got, I got moved, really yeah. moved and thought, okay, we need to, to write something that reflects what earth mother's up to because she was up to all kinds of stuff and is and and being able to contain the paradox whereby yes the climate change and the crises that she's dealing with and yet regenerate and and turn winter into spring and i watched that happen and got outside and the rest of the songs came and hopefully um bring bring a bit of magic well and it sounds like in a way you were able to get your intel like even when you were on lockdown i was just like you got your boots on the ground they sent their missives to you. <laughs> Good one, Pam. Good one, Pam. It's like, thank you, galaxy brain of mine. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it makes good connections. Sometimes it's like, where did, where did that one come from? Uh, <laughs> that's, and I love that. I love that you're able to hold on to those too. Like, especially when people do choose to share something with you, it's really precious. Like, thank you for recognizing that the podcast in a way was that for me, that like, every time I talk to someone, I feel so honored that like, they spend this time with me and that they do share with me. Like, I'm just like, what this, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you haven't, I think you were, sounds like you're really able to own this. You, you have a real gift of observation whether it's in the podcast or whether it's in your songs i can't wait to hear your songs oh because because if they're anything like this then you're you're observing things that we're not even observing in ourselves i hadn't really made that connection that they'd found a way the intel found a way um to to do that because because they're collaborative and they see it as part it's part of it's part of the process. Yeah. It's, it's part of the creativity that they're sharing um, their experiences. That's what partly pulled me out of, you know, the fact I was drowning in a foot of water. Yeah. That's thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I feel like this is about to become a gratitude fiesta because um, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's, I mean, it was very interesting then to witness how I felt like being told that I was a good observer because my first reaction was like, yeah, I am. Then I was like, wait, I'm being observed observing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Are you Virgo? <laughs> 
Do you know what's hilarious? I am, I'm like low-key a really well-meaning, just like chaos agent. Um, I'm an Aquarius sun with a Sag moon and a zero degrees Aries rising. So right on like the Pisces Aries cusp. So mm. I'm like, I'm very sensitive, but also I'm like, go and crush it with the fire of a thousand suns. Um, but like maybe in a weird way from another planet and also like, you know, travel a bit and get to know people. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> It's it's a funny melange. Um, now I'm like, ooh, I was like, Sarah like ping saying five more minutes. I was like, is my last question going to be about your star chart? Because I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I've been resisting my star chart forever. I was resisting my Scorpio rising. Ooh, I love my partner is a Scorpio rising. Nothing delights me more. Says so my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> So I've had to, I've had to embrace it and I do embrace that now, but I was for the longest time, I was refusing my 1210 birth time, Newton, North Carolina, 1963. I was, I was, I was, you know, no, 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 110, sorry, 110 PM. <laughs> sorry. And I was, I don't know. I'd heard it was 118, but then, <laughs> but then I've had to surrender to 110 and because I was so avoiding it. And sometimes you just got to go, stop avoiding. And, and I know all the, all the Scorpios are going, really T what's, what, what's and I'm like, I love them. And, and now I can embrace because, because yeah, I I've had to embrace, I've been writing about snakes and Scorpios and stings and my God forever. It's like, it's staring me in the face. That's, hilarious i was just like how could you I, like even just like listening to music i was like of course you're a scorpio rising i'm like the only scorpio in my chart by the way is i looked it up it's my jupiter which is where you're expansive so i'm like wow i'm expansive in mysteries and death cool and then i was like what house is it in and it's literally the eighth house of like the occult and death and mysteries so it's like where do i find my abundance in the weird shit okay <laughs> go sister you go. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. This explains so much. <laughs> hey, and the other thing, I know Gratitude Fest can make people go, but, but there's been so much complaining and so much kind of uh, me, 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 really? That sometimes just saying, hey, thanks. Thanks. And, and thanks for showing up. It really goes, it really goes a long way because I just find somebody giving me a smile. I don't think, oh, freak. I think, <laughs> I think, thank, hey, thanks. Thank you. Because <laughs> I haven't seen anybody smile for like 18 months because I can't see them. Yes, so, <laughs> you know. I, I was just like, then we should definitely end it by just by just saying thank you. And I really do mean it that it's like, especially knowing that you went through a day of interviews and that you're like eight hours difference than me. And I'm like, you deserve every cocktail. <laughs> like... No, I don't. <laughs> or tomorrow's interviews will be do, 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 do. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I do want to thank everybody that has sent letters. I'm, I'm so, I am so appreciative. And I thank you, Pam, for your time. And again, please get me and Shirley together with you. We in person, if we can, if we're allowed oh and we'll have a blast because it's just great talking with you. Thank you. I can't wait for that to happen because it'll be basically a colloquy of tiny cackle laughing ladies. And that makes me really happy. Yeah, me too. It will happen. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.